He's a sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero. Hot to piston and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a... Marvel Studios TV podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Faraci. I'm one of the co-hosts. We're, 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 we're brotherly hosts here on this show and joining me as always. Moi, I am Derek Faraci. Moi, this is my robot voice. What is going on with that? That is uh, a little homage to my friend Jeff Riffo, who sadly passed away this past week. And uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's right. That's right. He used to, we worked together at Activision and we worked on a Fantastic Four game where there were robots that when you hit them, they would go, and he would go around and do that all day. And then he turned it into, my name is Riffo. I'm my robot. You cannot understand me when I speak robot. And then if you've ever seen the movie uh, Grandma's Boy, they, when they were working on that movie, they came to the Activision offices and hung out for a week. And the bad guy in that movie does a robot voice. And they took that from Riffo. So wow. Sadly, he sadly he passed away. How did he? How did he, how did he die? He had a heart attack. Oof. Yes, he had a, a rough couple of years these past few years. He uh, in twenty nineteen, maybe twenty eighteen, he was attacked outside his home and uh, suffered brain damage. Oof. Yes, and uh, he had just pretty much he was doing very well after all of that. He was finally out of the hospital and. Unfortunately, a heart attack. Hmm. He was a great guy. He, was, he used to work at McFarland Toys. He was, a, he was a sculptor. He worked at Activision. He was a hilarious, funny guy. He will be missed. How old was he? Uh, he was 45. Oh, boy. Yes. I believe he was 45. I think he was 45. That's technically young. That is. It's very young. Hmm. It's very young. Well, I'm very sorry for your loss, man. That is terrible. It's hard to lose a friend. It is. It is. You had those dogs uh, to keep you company, at least. Yes, that was very nice. Derek was dog-sitting all week. Yes, if you listened last week, you would hear it. Uh, did we talk about it on this show last week, or was it on Bad Batch? I think it... Oh, it might have been Bad Batch. I can't remember. It's all a, a blur. <laughs> it's all a blur. Man, it's so funny. Uh, I'm back at work now. Uh, I'm back at my day job after being on leave of absence, and it is beating the shit out of me. And... Yeah. Um, I like I'm back now uh and I'm realizing I have three podcasts and I'm like oh that's a decision that a person on leave of absence makes a hundred percent this is why I said last week to you I said we can't do a fourth I can't do any more of these <laughs> well speaking it's of so the fact that we have three podcasts if you're listening to this you might be listening to this for free we're available on all of the uh services this is a big announcement that's why the sirens are going because it's such a big announcement <laughs> <laughs> we need to draw attention to it. Uh, well, other podcast we just mentioned is called The Bad Batch, and we talk about Star Wars TV shows on that one. And that's available on uh, the Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A dot com, to anybody at $1 and above. We have a new one, which we did the first episode of, and it's the Untitled Superhero Movie Podcast. And our first episode, we did Zack Snyder's Justice League, a.k.a. The Snyder Cut, and every month we're going to do a different superhero movie. And here's the thing. When Black Widow comes out, we're going to talk about it on that show. 
So if you want to hear us talking about Black Widow, you're going to have to listen to that show. But not everyone's going to have a new superhero movie. So on the months that don't have new superhero movies, we're going to do old ones, and we're going to let the uh, listeners decide. And right now we have a a poll going on which movie we're going to talk about for the next episode. And the options are Hulk 2003, Batman Returns, and The Shadow. Have you checked the um, the numbers? I'm looking at it right now. Batman Returns with a lead. It's a healthy lead. It's not like an insurmountable lead. 40% of yes. votes for Batman Returns, 34% for Hulk, and The Shadow coming in way behind at 27%. Yes, although the, the two comments on the post are like, we should do The Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's rough. It looks like it's going to probably be Batman Returns. But if you want to vote in this poll or listen to this show, you need to become a $5 or above subscriber to the Patreon. So that's like sort of the pitch here is that it's for $5 and above subscribers. And uh, I I think it's going to be worth it. Our Snyder Cut show was really, really good. If I can say so myself, I really enjoyed doing it. I think people seem to really like it. I had a lot of fun doing it. I'm still amazed that anyone listens to any of these free or for pay. People really like the Snyder Cut. I had a guy tell me that he listened to like a bunch of podcasts about the Snyder Cut that week. Like that was like his podcast obsession. And then we were, we yeah. were the best of the lot. That's fantastic. Pretty cool, right? Or everyone else really needs to work on their stuff. What <laughs> are the other? I don't know which. I it think is. I think we're pretty good. I think let's let, I think let's 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 enjoy the idea let's that we're take pretty the, the good. Compliment. Let's take the compliment. Yeah, yeah. You know that's always the key. Take the compliment. Yes. No, I appreciate that. So very much. if you enjoy this show, those are the two other shows that we have. And like I said, if you're interested in the Marvel stuff, we're going to talk about the Marvel movies as they come out on that show, more or less. We may actually have to figure this out as the movies come out. Yeah. Uh, but we'll we'll because we'll, some of them we might have like a couple that are like tightly together yes yeah um but i guess we'll figure, we'll figure it out, it out. We, we we're just two guys at mics right so anyway this is the marvel vision podcast we talk about marvel studios stuff and that means uh marvel studios news what do we got we got nothing zero news this week zero news no a lot of, a lot of lame rumors this week but that's it you know where it's like there was somebody on set. What could it mean? And not even like a person it was like this photo of a person. We can't see their face. Could that be somebody? There was a new Black so Widow trailer. Everybody was really stretching. There is a new Black Widow trailer. I did not watch it because it's uh, within that time frame where I stopped watching trailers for movies that are coming. But uh, there is a new one, which okay. it also had a new a new logo. Right. So that's exciting. They took their time to... Um they held the time off, so they just they redesigned the logo, I guess. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, it's, it's all right. It's fine. It's a fine trailer. Um, it's not that different from what we've already seen. I don't think it has all that much new in it necessarily. It's got sort okay. of highlights the um, relationship between the two Black Widows, basically. Okay. Okay. Um, so we see some of the funny stuff, some of like the uh, banter and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I saw what? at Target. You know those uh, mini fig pins? Yeah. They had mini fig pins of what's his name? The dude in Black Widow, not Taskmaster, Master Red Guardian. Guy. Red Guardian. They had his pin, and clearly the pin had been out for a while because it was on sale for half price. Well, yeah, that's what's really interesting <laughs> is that so I play a couple of like Marvel phone games, and they yeah. already did their big Black Widow events because that was, yeah. shit was all timed to the original release. 
Yeah. Well, if you go to the Black Widow YouTube page to see the new trailer, it says new trailer. And then the one right before it is a year old and it says final trailer. So that's really fun. Yeah. Well, you know, people are like, where are the Eternals trailer? Like, where's all this stuff? And I think they learned a lesson on Black Widow, which is like, until they're positive that this movie's coming out this date, I think they're done doing trailers. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I would think they probably feel a little better after this weekend because Kong versus or Godzilla versus Kong did pretty well. I think it opened, I think it opened better than Godzilla King of the Monsters. I think so. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm really not 100 percent sure. I, I know. I know for sure. If you do the five day opening, it did right. But I don't know if like just weekend opening if it did or not. But yeah, I I'm shocked at how little King of the Monsters made. I thought it did better than I remember. It did really badly. Um, yeah, it was a busy summer, and it just never connected. I think the movie itself. I guess not. Yeah. So. It didn't have the right hook. I mean, obviously, this had the hook. It's funny. This did really, really well. And we talked about this off the air. This, I think, is the first of the MonsterVerse, quote-unquote, I hate that term, uh, movies that doesn't end with like an obvious um, opening for, for a sequel. Like It doesn't end with like yeah. ancient cave paintings of a different monster or some such shit like that. Yeah. And uh, it feels like they did that because they thought this would be the end of the road. And then this one's doing really, really well, and they're probably going to have to <laughs> do more of them. I mean, that seems likely to me. Even down to in the movie, somebody says at one point, Godzilla has killed all the other monsters. Right. <laughs> so it's like, like, this is it. This is just Godzilla and Kong are left. Although they do introduce the the Hollow Earth where there's a bunch of monsters down there. So I guess they could always do more with yeah. that if they wanted to. But yeah, it definitely felt like like I mean, this movie got pushed back from original release when King of the Monsters did not do well and it felt like that they were like, we're not getting another one. Like it's like, this is good. Nobody cares about these movies. And I, there's also an argument of like, did people rush out to see this movie because they were excited for it or because theaters were open again? Well, so here's, what's really interesting, right? I think that there's a little bit of the theaters that are open again. I think that honestly, the buzz because people could see it on HBO max actually sent people to theaters. You think so? Yeah, I do think so. I think people saw people talking about it and talking about like how wild and big the action was. I think people were like, oh, yeah. okay, this is a movie to go see in theaters. I, I, I honestly okay. think that this might have actually helped. Um, I know that the story, the narrative is supposed to be that having an HBO Max hurts it, but I'm not yeah. sure about that. So it's, you know, it certainly definitely didn't hurt this movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think people rushing back to, I mean, like, I think people, a lot of people don't feel safe to go back to theaters in the first place at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And and this is the thing, like, if this, if, like, I don't, I I mean, I have not gotten the vaccine yet, which is part of it. But even if I had gotten the vaccine, I still would be, like, a little iffy about going back to theaters right now. But, like, if it was average 2019 pre-pandemic stuff, and I watched this on HBO Max and it was in theaters, I'd be like, you know what? This weekend, if I have a couple extra hours, I'll probably just go see it in the theater again. Because I bet it'll be really fun in the theater. Well, that's the thing. Is that once you see it on HBO Max, you know that it really flies and you're not yeah. going to be like trapped for some kind of like fucking two and a half hour like slog, and to yeah. see it on IMAX as big as possible feels like it's probably going to be delightful. I agree. I agree. So, all right. I, mean, I saw King of the Monsters on IMAX, and that was rough. <laughs> uh, so, that's just not my style. That's just not my. Style. Um. So I think that's that's it. That's it for news, huh? That's it for news. Wow, is this going to be an episode of the show that isn't three and a half hours long? No. 
A lot of notes. Like I told you, I got three pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also got jokes. Yeah, let's do the jokes and let's get to those notes. Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Ooze. Who's who? Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? Yep, there you go. Why not? Who's afraid of venom? I, I don't know, man. I don't know. What's Squirrel Girl's favorite ballet? What? The Nutcracker the nut, Suite. The Nutcracker. The Nutcracker, yeah. yeah. You got that one. What? Oh, I'm not going to do oh. Go ahead, do it. I want you to do it. What do you call an elephant that wears perfume? What do you call an elephant that wears perfume? A smellephant. Whew. Yeah. What's great is right next to that one is a picture of Black Widow standing in front of like your comedy club brick wall. And she looks like she's about to murder the audience because the jokes are so bad. <laughs> and and she's saying, I know. <laughs> like so I I guess is she the stand up and she's like, I know my jokes are bad, now I have to kill all of you so you don't tell anyone. That remind that joke know. reminds me of a joke from the um old truly tasteless joke book series. Truly tasteless oh, I jokes. Those. Yeah. yeah. I think that we're probably um potentially liable for um uh arrest just for having read those books now in the modern world, but they were very offensive jokes. And there's a whole section of jokes on Italians, and that joke reminds me of a good Italian joke that I can tell because I'm uh, half Italian. Oh yeah? What's the difference between an elephant and an Italian grandmother? I don't know. What is the difference between an elephant and an Italian grandmother? 100 pounds and a black dress. Oof. Oof. Yes. <laughs> Oof. No, I'm Italian. I can say it. Even if you're not Italian, it's still okay to make fun it of Italians. It is okay to make fun of Italians. You can do it. So whatever you like about Italians, it's totally allowable. Nice. All right. Now that we have grumbled about Italian uh, phobia. Uh, <laughs> Are you still allowed to make fun of Polish? Or no? Is that It's out? so funny. I don't know if you can do Polish jokes, um, but then I was discussing this with somebody, and it made me really curious to find out where Polish jokes came from, like what the premise of Polish jokes was. Like, like yeah. I mean, the premise is that Polish people are dumb, right? But like, I was like, yeah. where did that? Like, how does that like come? So I did some research, and get this, I'll tell you how where this comes from. Can I take a guess first Go ahead. to see if I know it? it comes from World War II. No, it's uh, partially, but really, okay. it's mostly older than that, though. Well, but I thought it came from World War II because they would burn when the Nazis were coming and they burned all their crops, and people were like, "What idiots they are to destroy their own land!" And it was like, "No, we're making sure that they can't use our food." No, I don't think it was that. Um, although that might okay. have played into some point in like the latter half of the twentieth century, like like the same as how like the whole thing was like, "Oh, the French are they give up? They always surrender." And it's like, no, they really fought <laughs> like pretty hard. You know, so we just didn't pay attention. Poland. Um, fell apart in the 1800s and it became uh it became partitioned between other countries and one of those countries was germany and so the germans did not love the new polish germans and considered them sort of like backwards rubes they were like third class citizens so it begins there but then what happens is that when poland falls apart a lot of polish people emigrated and they came to america and they came to america not because they wanted to that's really important they had no interest in emigrating but because their nation fell apart and things were bad they had to go and when they came to america because they did not want to emigrate many of them settled in communities that were tight-knit and that really maintained deep polishness they didn't yeah. learn the language. They didn't attempt to fit in like at all. Other immigrant groups 
made like efforts or whatever. Um, they really didn't. And people in America got very irritated with them for that. Uh, and so there was like a lot of conflict. And so Polish people were disliked heavily. And then some of that idea of them as backwoods rubes that the Germans had came over with German immigrants apparently and also probably came with um, Nazi propaganda – uh, when yeah. the Nazis took over Poland, they portrayed Poland, Paul the Polish, as sort of rubes. And that's where we got Polish jokes from. Also, that time that they built a submarine with a screen door, that didn't help. All right. You ready to talk about uh, – <laughs> now, now we're going to find out if you can make Polish jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I guess so. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. Let him know you have- it's, a, it's a joke from Back to the Future too. Thank you. Back to the Future 1 has some deeply problematic Leb- Lebanese stuff. So, like, eh, don't – you know. Oh, yes. So yeah. let's talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier, shall we? Let's do it. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. If he's led to a fight and a duel is due, then the red and the white and the blue will come through when Captain America throws his mighty shield. It's Falcon and Winter Soldier Season 1, Episode 3, Power Broker. We open with a, um, an in-universe TV commercial. Like if we're watching TV in the MCU, this is what will come on. And it's a TV commercial for the Global Repatriation Council, the GRC. And it's like – it looks like every other commercial. So it's really well done, I, I think. It looks like every other commercial for like some kind of like aspirational technology and or some kind of drug. Yeah, some kind of medication. Uh, yeah. Um, but it has some interesting stuff in it. It's like, you know, we'll help you learn about new laws, borders, rules, and restrictions, stuff like that, that I thought was really interesting. Um, and, uh, it ends with their, um, slogan, which is reset, restore, rebuild. Yep. Which I like. I like that. Makes me wonder if the GRC is going to end up being a thing. It feels like it's going to be like, this feels like a... It'd be weird to just introduce it here and never bring it up again, I think. But well, who knows? I mean, on one hand, introducing it and having it here is a good way of sort of answering a lot of questions people have about the blip. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can hand wave it now. You can go to the GRC. Oh, yeah. well, how do people – well, the GRC, right? So that yeah. that's part of it. But, like, the fact – I think that that would have been enough in the last episode to just talk about it. But now we have this commercial. It's making me wonder if there's going to be some sort of, like, villainous – aspect to well, I, i'm not even thinking of like i mean maybe a villainous aspect but i could also see like in future shows you know because they bring up that there are grc uh, uh refugee camps right so doing stuff with that you know like like maybe in the she-hulk show uh, J- uh jen uh waters walters is uh it, her clients are people at one of these facilities and she's trying to get them out or whatever like that kind of stuff could be i mean yeah. you know this between this and wandavision we've got sword and grc two brand new agencies introduced into the marvel cinematic universe so we open with this commercial with Although, the, is sword first introduced in spider-man no i don't think so when we see uh, uh nick fury hanging out in space isn't that sword I mean, maybe it doesn't say so. Is that anymore. its own thing? No, it doesn't. I don't and know. it's a he's on a, he's on a he's on a actually um, he's on a scroll he's ship. On a scroll ship. Yeah. So I yeah. think he's just like on vacation. I think he's just doing his Nick Fury business. Although he's still up there, from what we know from one division, it would seem that way. So anyway, we see a GRC police van roll up. 
Yeah, the opposite of the commercial. Yes. We have a, a, a 180. Um, a 180. Every time I say 180, I almost say 360. Yes, I do that a lot. And I always think of that meme. Um, why do they call it an, an Xbox 360? Because you look at it and you turn 360 degrees and walk away. Uh, which is so funny. It's like because I guess some kid said that on Reddit, and that just became yeah. like fucking immortalized. Like it was incredible. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, the new cap gets out with Battlestar, and they're raiding um, the place where Carly and the Flag Smashers stayed last episode. Yes. And um, they bust in, and Cap like finds the guy, and the guy's like, "I'm not telling you shit," and then he spits in his face. Well, the, uh, you first before he spits his face, Cap says "bullshit, bullshit," <laughs> and it's like, "Hey, language." language. Yeah. <laughs> so I like this because in this little scene, there's two moments that remind us this is not Steve Rogers, right? And it's that it's where he curses, and then when the guy spits in his face and he shoves him against the wall and punches him in the stomach. Do you know what's funny? Something I noticed. I watched this episode twice, and I don't know if this is. I think this has to be a, a choice when he punches him in the stomach. They don't do a big sound effect. Yeah. And I can't decide if that's because with a big sound effect, it sounded too violent or if they did no big sound effect because they wanted to highlight the fact that this man is inherently weak, not physically, yeah, but inherently weak on the inside. Like, I, 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 it was interesting because he punches him in the gut. And it's a very soft sound, so it doesn't have a big impact. Like sort yes. of cinematically. Yeah. Um, but he does. He says the thing that only assholes say. At this point. Do you know who I am? You know who I am? Yes. And the guy says, I do not care. Yes. And he also says, uh, uh, was it like, you Americans have become brutes. Yes. And it's like, oh, where have you been? Where have you been for the <laughs> 70 years, pal? <laughs> um, so, Perhaps in the MCU, it's different. I don't know. Um, so... Uh, they, they, they get nothing. And uh, John Walker's real mad. And uh, Battlestar's like, listen, you know what? Like, these people are giving them like food and like supplies like that. That creates loyalty. So it's going to be very hard to crack these folks. They don't want to turn in the flag smashers. And so John Walker's like, well, maybe I know somebody who might, you know, he's like, well, when you have it, when you, what is it like when you have, when you have a bad hand, you want to bet on somebody who's got a good hand, a good hand or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's quite clear. He means Zemo. And so we cut to Bucky and uh, Sam walking in the prison where Zemo is. And, um, they're going down this hallway, and Bucky's like, look, I'm going to go in there by myself. And Sam says, no way. And Bucky says, fuck you. <laughs> and he goes in by himself. Yes. Yep. And and he says, hey, Zemo, what you reading? And Zemo says, Machiavelli, because I'm smart. That's not the. That's not why they made him reading Machiavelli. It's because he's smart. No, it's, it's not that. No? No. Because he's smart. No, Machiavelli is about treachery. It's like yes. so. It's an on the nose thing. Yes, it's not just smart. smart. It's not smart. It's about treachery. It's it's the way of getting. A, they wanted to do smart. There's a million different, but this is about treachery specifically. But I think they're purposely going for the basic action movie smart guy moves. Like last week, he had a chessboard. Yeah, and it's like these are basic. Like like watching this episode, I was like, oh, you know what? Last week was was Lethal Weapon. This is Lethal Weapon 3, you know, because now they've got Joe Pesci with them. That's what this becomes. <laughs> I actually, he is. You know, I know. I wish that there was a little bit more of that in this episode. But um, I agree. I agree. But so um, Zemo starts trying to do 
um, the words immediately. And Bucky's like, now the Wakandans healed me of that shit. I don't have to worry about that no more. And they have this conversation and uh, Zemo makes the argument that um, he can help. And so we then cut to um, Bucky and Sam in a garage somewhere. Yes. And Sam's like, where the fuck are we? And then Bucky's like, hey, so uh, hypothetical. And he does the classic, he'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. As he walks Sam through. Before that, that, Sam uses his superpower of exposition and reminds us of everything that's happened in the movies in the last two episodes. I think he does a really good job here because it's funny. No, he does a really good job. But it's like it's it's just funny where it was definitely a thing where they're like, oh, we got to make sure that we explain all of this to connect it all in just for safety, because maybe you haven't seen Captain America, you know, Civil War in six years. So let's pepper that all in right here. And he just rams it all out real quick and then ends it with a little joke bit. And it works. It's not poorly written. It's not poorly acted. But it did stand out to me of like, ah, exposition. But you know what? (laughs) I love that because, you know, what? I grew up reading comic books just like you did. And that's how everybody talks in comics. Oh, yes. Yeah. And everybody ex- is just dropping exposition about every fucking thing every time they walk into a room. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I think it's really well okay. done here. Give me a scene where as he starts to fly, Falcon is like, with my metal wings, <laughs> I remember the flights and speeds. I will detach Red Wing, my robotic companion. <laughs> And his internal sensors. <laughs> give, me, give me an episode written by Chris Claremont any day of the week. I'd love it. Um, so uh, Bucky does the ask for forgiveness rather than permission, and he walks Sam through the um, prison break that he just helped Zemo do. Zemo was like yeah. already 80% broken out of prison. Yeah, he's got the card, I guess. He's, he's got, got the, the card ready. He just needed like one person to start a fight. That was all that he needed, and B- yeah. that Bucky was able to do that for him. Yeah. And um, – so Zemo shows up in the garage, and there's like some cute back and forth uh, between everybody um, that I quite liked. And uh, they decide that they're going to let Zemo help them because he is, in fact, invaluable. And as Bucky says to Sam, he hates these super soldiers more than anybody else. Like that's yes. like his whole fucking thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, you know, that I think is is what sells Sam mostly is that Sam knows that as much as Zemo hates Avengers, he really hates superpower people most of all. Yeah, and so we go through some old car- cars that Zemo has, and um, which we learn that this is Zemo's garage. This is Zemo's garage. Is, yeah, an interesting. I don't know if I would say it's a retcon or just they never really focused on it because in in Civil War, there's nothing to tell us that he is a Baron. You know, that he is royalty, which he drops here. He's like, I'm royalty. And that he's like super wealthy. There's nothing that really says, but there's nothing that says he isn't in Civil War. You know? Yeah, I think so, it really works because in Civil War, he's a uh, Sokovian intelligence is his deal. And with him, with and the royalty that he is as a baron, this isn't like big royalty. This is like landholder stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like but, this is, but he's clearly very wealthy. He's still very wealthy. But that makes him James Bond. Yes. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, although James Bond is, I think he's like he's he's low, he's lower class in the novels, um, uh, but in the movies he clearly grows up at Skyfall. Um, so you know, I like that. Like it works. It feels like a thing that works, and I think it's also nice because 
when they introduced him in Ultron, I mean, in Civil, in Civil War, um, they took off the Baron part because I think they thought Baron Zemo sounded dumb. But yep. I think as we hear in this episode, Baron Zemo sounds awesome. And, sounds great. <laughs> and returning the Baron to his name, I think, is such a great idea. So I'm glad that they yeah. will. I'm glad that they will try to figure out now that we're like 12 years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're like, can we make this comic bookier? And I'm glad that that's what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and I like that he's just got a mask. He's like, by the way, I have a mask. Yeah, like I, I never wore it before. Here it is, sitting in this car with a sweet jacket. Yeah, like this is my style, baby. <laughs> like it's like, yep, okay. I, I one thing I do wonder because he takes it out of a car that's definitely like a forties, fifties car. Is that his dad's mask? I was gonna say, is it his grandfather's mask? Oh yeah, I guess whichever re- re- relative Heinrich would be, whatever yeah. Yeah, generation. Well, I mean, like we might, you know, uh, who knows if we're gonna get that storyline tied into. Um, uh, Elijah, I mean to um, Isaiah. Isaiah. For those are. at home who don't know, um, there's a Heinrich Zemo that Captain America fought in World War II, and then uh, there's a uh, uh, the Zemo that we know today. And the, the movies and TV shows is based on the modern day Zemo, um, whose helmet, helmet Zemo. So it's in, in the comics, it's his son. So. Um, yeah. it, it could be, it could be his grandfather's mask. I mean, it could, there's, there's no reason that it, that it, that it couldn't be. I mean, we don't know what side Sokovia was on in World War II. Yep. Um, so they get on this plane and there's some good business with the, um, <laughs> I really like the old Butler guy. I like the old Butler guy. I will say, I think it's a bad idea to take Zemo's plane. Why? Cause he just broke out of prison. So mm, that is, is a good is, point. I feel like anybody could look up the flight pass of Zemo's plane. Yeah. 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 Seems, seems like a bad call, but what do I know? There's like a lot of really like lack, lackadaisical aspects to some of this stuff. This is, I think well, like, yeah, the breakout was pretty kind of weak. I thought like the breakout didn't do much for me. I thought it was and okay. Then, I mean like, you know, it's, it's a sort of like accentuating the idea that he's like a master planner guy. So like he yeah. doesn't need like, too much chaos. He needs just enough chaos to get out. Like he has everything planned down to the dot. And I think that works. I think this episode's a little bit slackly plotted and a little bit slackly written. I agree. And I think that that's a problem. I think this is one bit of it where it's a problem. I think I didn't even think about this, but you're right. It's just, it's dumb to get on Zemo's plane. It's, it's yeah. legitimately stupid. Yeah. It's a bad idea. Unless we can say that he is, um, as Sokovian intelligence, he has a plane registered under somebody else's name, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, yeah. Or, he just, had cannon. He, or they just bought it under a assumed name or what? Yeah. Like, I mean, th- there's answers to why it's plausible, but they don't say anything. Right. So it's just like, here's my plane. And right. it's like, ah, oh, that, that plane's going to have numbers that people can track. Like that's what they do. Um, so on the plane, they had this whole conversation, maybe my favorite conversation on the whole episode. Um, they talk about Marvin Gaye. Um, well, I, I, I like that first to his butler. He's like, hey, the butler's like, was it like, like the fridge isn't working? Yeah. And he's like, if any of the, give the food a smell test. If it doesn't pass, give it to these guys. Yeah. But he says in like Sokovian. Right. And then the I butler like that. laughs. It's really good. <laughs> you know, the, the, butler, the butler does a very like, like uh, Lucille from Arrested Development because he laughs. He goes, oh, I've missed you. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, like that. I like that they're just kind of assholes to people. <laughs> Uh, but uh, then they start talking about Marvin Gaye, and this is maybe my favorite conversation of the whole episode um, because uh, Bucky's like not wild about Marvin Gaye, 
And yeah. he's like, I like 40s music, which I really like that. I like that a lot. It's like that makes a lot of sense, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, well, th- there are two things that I like. I really found it very touching, also funny, but very touching that Cap gave him his book, right? His catch up book. I was like, that's kind of, that's kind of sweet. You know, like, hey, these are the things I looked up when I first got out of the ice. Right. Here's now stuff you, you should look, yeah, them you up, should look it up. You know, so you can catch up. I was like, that's very sweet. And now he's using it to list all the people. He's wronged, which is interesting. You know, <laughs> well, and, that's his, and own, that's his own of, catching up he has to do. That's right? his own catching up. And in terms of like gifts that your dad gives you, where it's like you gave Sam the shield, I get a, a used notebook. That kind of sucks. But what are you going to do? But it's very personal that used notebook. It's very personal. It's very, yeah, personal. It, it, it's very sweet. It's very sweet. You can always turn the pages to look at Steve's handwriting. Yes. We have yeah. no idea what's up with Steve. I mean, that uh, they speak of him as if he's dead. They definitely do. I mean, that's the thing. Sam says Steve loved right. uh, 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 Trouble Man so, or Marvin Gaye. So that's a real interesting loved. Yeah. I mean, so either, either he's dead or he went back to his own timeline. Because I think down the official MCU explanation is that he created a separate timeline with Peggy. Okay. That's the, okay. now the official MCU canon. And oh, it's not been in a movie yet, so I guess it's not official until it's in a movie. But that's sort of what everybody's saying. And so maybe that's what they mean. He went back. To, he went back to this timeline after he finished his um, handing off the shield. I mean, I don't know. I suspect they're going to leave it a little open. Although Spider Man makes it seem like he's dead, so I I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, um, and then Zemo loves Marvin Gaye and Trouble Man, and says that it truly captures the African American experience. Yes. Um, which Sam says, "Listen, he's out of line, but he's not wrong." Uh, <laughs> which is my favorite bit from the whole episode, really. Um, but then he also starts talking shit on Captain America, and those guys don't want to hear it. And Zemo right. was—it seems like to me like Zemo is definitely like pushing their buttons a little bit and like yeah, testing what he can get away with. Yeah. yeah, he tells them though they're going to a place called Madripoor. Yes, which we get our first cross promotion because then Sam says, the way you guys keep talking about this, it sounds like Skull Island, which yeah. is from King Kong. Yeah, but it's a different company. I know, but it's still cross promotion. They're like, hey, I think don't it forget might, that King Kong movie. I think it might be a coincidence. But, uh, um, you, you don't think when they were filming this, they planned on King Kong versus Godzilla being delayed a year because of a pandemic? And also the show itself being delayed because they had to stop. The they, had, they had to shoot down. They had to shut down. I think, I think in the middle of this episode, they had to shut down. I suspect oh, yeah. that some of them, well, they were in Prague when they shut down, and they're definitely in Prague in this episode. Like, they're all their. All their Latvian sets, that's Prague. It's a hundred percent Prague. And they're because the other place I shoot is fucking Atlanta, and that's not Atlanta. So no. um they shut down while they were in Prague. And so I suspect that they shut down either in this episode or the next, or while shooting scenes for both or whatever. And that yeah. might explain some of why it's a janky feeling episode, because this is a definitely a janky feeling episode. Because okay. um, I, I thought they were further along when they they shut down. They, I, I mean, not. they shut down in when they were shooting in Prague. So I mean, like that's all okay. that I know. They were going to shoot in Puerto Rico, and they couldn't because it was a bad earthquake. Okay. And I wonder if Madripoor was going to be Puerto Rico. Maybe, maybe. Because Madripoor just ends up being um, yet another back alley. Yes. In the show, um, which is really a lot of scenes of characters walking in alleys, standing in courtyards, and also um, <laughs> and also being in garages. Uh, but um, anyway, Madripoor is the first X Men thing to show up in the MCU. It is. 
And it's an X-Men thing. It's an X-Men thing. This is magical. It's a 100%. It's really a Wolverine thing. Well, it was first introduced to New Mutants, but it became really like synonymous with Wolverine. Eventually. um, Yeah. That was Madripoor. He goes to Madripoor to like chill out between X-Men missions and he becomes a character called Patch. And then he like gets involved with like samurai and criminal business. There is a Patch Easter egg in the episode. Where was it? I didn't see it. There's, they pass by, what was the name of it? Uh, the the princess bar, which in the comics, Patch owns. Oh, well, there you go. So there you there go. You. I mean, I spent the whole episode looking for him for a guy in a patch somewhere, yeah. um, but they did not do that. So it's <laughs> it's an interesting way to bring the X Men universe in because it's it, Madripoor is not like um, Genosha, which is an island of mutants. Madripoor is just a fucking island. I mean, like you, yes. you, you could do any story in Madripoor. Yes, as you see here. Um, so it's kind of fascinating. Yeah, it, it's just like it's like a, a pirate's cove. Yeah, is what Madripoor is basically. <clears throat> yeah. Um, at some point during all of this, we cut to Carly. Um, speaking of scenes that take place in courtyards, um, the yes. um, refugee camp is in a courtyard. Um, She's playing soccer. I couldn't believe it's so so weird. And um, her mom is dying, and we see her yes. with her mom. She literally dies. Like Carly comes Which, in to see her mom die. Which was funny to me that she's downstairs playing soccer. And the guy comes up, is like, "You break him upstairs," and it's like, "Your mom is on death's door." Like, you couldn't have told her a day ago. Like, it's weird that she's just outside playing soccer. Then you're like, "By the way, your mom's about to die of tuberculosis." Well, I just, so if I had to, if I had to, we, when we went to go visit our grandmother when she was dying, yes, we did go out to like eat and do things because yes. you can't just really sit in a room with a person all day. There's just like you're not allowed to at least in where we were. But also like you just kind of need to get out of a bit. So I could see her running downstairs and kicking the soccer ball around to like relieve tension and then she gets the no- notice that like oh it's happening right now. I guess it seemed it seemed very weird to me. I could see it. I could see it cuz I mean we we walked around the grounds of that place and stuff. We, you know, you're killing time waiting for somebody to die like especially if they're unconscious, like you're just really yeah. killing time. Um, this is our most morbid episode. You're also, can you – I don't know much about tuberculosis. Can you get it from from contact? Yeah. Like sweat? Yeah. Because she kisses her mom's forehead and it's like, oh, you're going to get she's tuberculosis. She's probably inoculated. You can get a tuberculosis TB um, inoculation. It just made me very nervous. Um, it's like, oh, oh, don't do that. But at the same time, I'm not smart enough to know if you can do that. Well, her mom dies and yes. – uh, while this is happening, our heroes have landed in uh, Madripoor. Madripoor, um, we get like some like – so again, the, my big complaint about this show so far has been that a lot of the locations feel claustrophobic to me. Um, yes. And we they, they, they take some of that edge off of that with big CGI shots of the uptown of Madripoor as they come yeah, in. I, I don't know why you feel it's claustrophobic because it opens up with us seeing a completely empty bridge and then just walking right down the street <laughs> of the bridge. <laughs> like, why? There, there, there's even like a walkway on the bridge. <laughs> but they're like, nope, right down the middle. <laughs> you pet peeve. You're yeah. and, and then one car pulls up and it's for them. So I guess they close the entire bridge for these guys to walk across it. <laughs> but most of the other scenes take place like in alleyways or like in garages or in spaces that are probably garages that they've turned into disco sets. Um, oh, that, that, that disco set is 100% the, the uh, Zemo garage redress. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm certain of it. Cause it has weird yeah. girders in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, that's a hundred percent because it's a, it's a garage set anyway. Yeah. 
And also, what's her name space that they go to? Like her little hangout. Yeah, that's I all the same. That, it's all the same yeah. space. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so they are there in disguise. The Bucky is back as the Winter Soldier. Zemo is as Zemo, and Sam is Smiling Tiger. Yes, who I don't know if he's from the comics. He is from the comics. Oh, there you go. But he's not this guy. So um, he could be this guy. His name's Cameron Mack in the comics, just like it is here on the show. I don't know his full history, but he's a new he's a new Warriors villain. And okay. um, he is like a hairy, um, monstrous guy. Okay. And uh, that's his deal. He's like a, he's like a tiger man. For him. Yeah, he's not a big character. He I ended up being involved in Madripoor um, eventually. So like him being in Madripoor makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, whether or not this guy will ever show up in the show for real and become a tiger man, who knows. But I suspect it's just a little bit of a little nod. A little, little fun. Yeah. Sam doesn't love it. Sam thinks he looks like a pimp. Um, yes. And Zemo uh, corrects for him. Forward fashion. Yeah, fa- he's like, only in America yeah. would think a, fa- a fashion-forward black man is a pimp. Uh, yes. But um, this is, I think, the biggest problematic sequence in the whole episode for me on the same level as the jet, which is they go to this bar in Madripoor. Madripoor is this pirate haven. It's been the pirate haven since the 1800s. Like legality is thin. They're there. Um, the power broker runs the whole place and we see yeah. power brokers watching on the wall and they're looking for Selby, who's the bartender, who's also, by the way, the name of a character in the X-Men comics, but is definitely, it's a big black guy. So it's definitely not the same okay. character. But the big problem I have in this scene is that you have the characters dress playing roles or whatever, and they yep. get to the bar. And one, the bartender's like, uh, "Your usual." It's like, "How do you not recognize? That it's not, not the same guy. It's not the same guy." And yeah. Sam has not figured out. The, he's told that this guy's an African guy, and Sam is yep. not trying any kind of accent. Nope. Um, and nope. it really is like a weird sequence. I don't really get why it was written this way. Because yeah. I feel like on set you have to be like, wait, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it makes no fucking. This guy, if this guy recognizes him well enough to know what his regular drink is, and his regular drink is like the innards of a snake, like yes. the guy, the bartender might fucking know who this guy is or isn't. It's just yes. really weird to me. At the very least, it should have been like, oh, smiling tiger, he never speaks. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like, hey, Sam, never talks. Smiling tiger never talks. But it would have been better to have Sam trying to do a fucking accent. That would have been a better gag here at least it, it feels it feels like there's a few gags that they miss out on in this whole sequence with sam pretending to be somebody else and they, they just never quite connect them well like like that you know like you said like hey what if he didn't talk you know that, that'd be kind of fun well, or what if like, it's just like a funny scene like where sam's trying to like make conversation with a guy who thinks that he knows him you know what i mean like we've seen, yeah. we've seen this in a million movies don't get me wrong this is not like a brand new idea no, no. but yeah. it's an enjoyable conceit it's an enjoyable trope and i think that these this actress uh, anthony mackie in particular i think would be able to pull it off in a really fun way i agree i agree um but it, I, like, like he does a good little bit when the guy puts down the, the drink with the little snake whatever right. piece of the snake is in there and like he picks it up he's, and he's like huh hmm he's like i love this i love this he's like i love this and then he drinks it he takes it down as a shot and he gives like a thumbs up and you never see him swallow so i kept waiting for a spit to, mm-hmm. for him to like turn around and like dribble it out or something and they don't do that oh. and i was like oh that's weird i thought for sure they were gonna do a spit take i wonder if they shot it and just didn't use it maybe but like it's like a, so it makes the whole scene weird because it really makes everybody else seem stupid like you know what i mean like it just sort of like 
I, I just wish that they had not had the bartender recognize him. That's all that you have to do. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and you would, I guess, lose the snake gag. Yes. But like, you can have Zemo fuck with him and say, Oh, his favorite drink is this. And then you don't, you hear like, you know, like the Cambodian rattlesnake or whatever. Yeah. And then he, you think it's going to be just his drink. And then he's, it's just, it bugged me a lot. And it bugged me because I think it really, or, or you do a thing where it's like, like every time the, the first time you come to brass monkey, which is also from the comics. The bar that they're in, by the way, is from the comics. It's uh, called Brass. I believe it's called Brass Monkey. Uh, every, you know, your first visit here, you have to drink this. Blah blah blah. It's part of tradition of this place, you know. And and like he could even turn to Winter to Bucky, and Bucky be like, oh, "I've been here before." Like so, Bucky doesn't have to drink it. The only one who has to drink it is Sam. Right. You know, that's that. Do something good, like that with it. Brass Monkey is a good bar in L.A. It does really good karaoke. Um, in K Town. So if you're ever in K Town and anyone just do karaoke, I highly recommend Brass Monkey. It's a, it's a very good place. It's hard to find, but um, it's worth it's worth the effort. But that funky monkey, that funky monkey, indeed. Um, so uh, there's somebody at the bar who sees these guys show up and uh, recognizes them and pulls her hood up and runs away. Um, that is of who course, could it be? Probably it's Agent Thirteen, <laughs> of course. But um, what happens next is like some dude comes up and to Zemo is like, you're not welcome here. Like classic cantina scene business. I wanted in 12 systems. (laughs) And and so they do a whole fight scene. Like where um, Bucky's pretending to be the winter soldier still. And he has it in him. He has the move still. Um, And uh, at the end of the fight, I I like that too. Cause he's fighting all the guys and, and Zemo turns to Sammy. He's like, look how easily he slips right back in. And it's like, it's interesting. It's an interesting comment. Well, it's definitely Zemo fucking with Sam's head. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if that's like they're laying some groundwork for later on in the series uh, for them to lose trust in each other. Um, because at the end of that fight scene, um, Sam's like, you okay? And Bucky just gives him the nod because Bucky's staying in character, unlike Sam, yes. who seems utterly, which actually I think feels like in character for the character of Sam Wilson in the, in the MCU that he actually could not maintain an identity. Um, that actually, yeah, he's not, he's not a secret agent guy. Right. Um, yeah. But, Although he was on the run for for a number of years, yeah, that's just being like quiet. That's not like yeah. this. No, that's yeah. not this kind of thing. That's just in, in Marvel. That's just wearing a, a black baseball cap. It's a baseball and a cap. Black jacket. It's a baseball cap. Sunglasses. A cap with no logo on it. Yes. A cap with no logo and a windbreaker. <laughs> also, no one can recognize you. <laughs> Doesn't look like anything to me. Um, but uh, so they end up uh, uh, going to see Selby after this fight that like proves like their um, their credentials, and they like walk back into like to an Edith Piaf song like in slow mo for reasons I do not understand. Why? I was very confused by that. I don't get I it. Don't I don't even think what they're listening to back there. Like, I legitimately don't get it. I, I, it felt like something where they like the episodes a little short. Let's slow mo them walking. I, I don't know. I don't mind because they, they look cool and it's cool, but like it just really felt like it was building to a thing it wasn't building in. And they go back yeah. to the back room and they meet Ellen DeGeneres and uh, <laughs> the Selby um, is uh, this British person this british woman and they have this whole back and forth a little bit about like you know they want the power what are they what they talk about they want the soup the the serum or whatever yeah because that's what they're hunting right now they're hunting this the super soldier serum yeah and And in the middle of it to only compound what a dipshit sam is his fucking phone rings yes me and Sam have the same problem. We've got to turn our phones I off. I could not believe this. This might have been a bridge too far for me in this episode. Yeah, it was. It was. It was weird. 
Um, it was weird. It's not great. It's just not great. No. And it really feels like the episode is bending. Over. The, what happens next, I think, is well done. Sort of. We'll talk about that. But it feels like the episode is bending over backwards to get to this beat. Yes. And, and and the easiest way, I think, to have gotten to this beat is combine this scene and the previous scene, have him take the drink, and then spit it out. And then be like, you're not, you're not right. who you say you are. You know, and then, like, that's where everything goes wrong. Right. You know. But what happens is the phone is his sister, and I guess I need to get the sister in this episode. She probably signed on for, like, the four episodes, and they need to fulfill the contract. Well, in fairness, we, you know, remind us of the other story that's happening with Sam. Hey, the boat and the bank. He you know, does, don't, though. Don't forget that the that's world, happening. So what happens is the phone rings, and the Selby's like, put it on speakerphone, which I liked a lot. This yeah. I thought was good. Like, I thought it was a very good villain thing. Like, I was like this is excellent. Yes. Yeah. And then Sam answers the phone and his sister's like we need to talk about our situation which is perfect because he has been given the ultimate vague bad guy line yes and, and then he demands she say exactly what it is. exactly what the situation is it's the dumbest thing you can do and he could be like the situation will be handled that like that's what you got to yeah. say and i understand I'm on top of the situation right i yeah. understand that they what that they want to get to the next beat but again this is the show bending over backwards to get to the next beat in a way that yeah. does, does not feel correct to me yeah. like he's not a secret agent but i don't know that he's d- so dumb that he would demand his sister explain the situation to him it's because like, he knows the situation. That's the other piece yep. of it. He knows exactly what it is. And he'd be like, listen, I can't talk. I'm working. The situation is under control and I will yeah. take care of it. I am dealing with the situation right now. Right. Exactly. Uh, but they need to get to the good joke where he's like, we laundered so much money through that bank, which I liked. Yeah. It's funny. But again, well, well, his sister, clearly not a good communicator. Cause first he says that like, Oh, we've laundered so much money. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to you know deal with this bank and blah, blah, blah. And she says that banker, he's really rough. And he says, I'm going to kill that banker. And she's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. Your, your brother just told you he's laundering money. And he's going to kill a banker. And you're like, fine with that. That's weird. I mean, she must assume he's like doing bits. I mean, like, I guess, that's all I can imagine I here. Um, but then she calls him Sam and so yeah. Selby says, kill them. And then Selby gets shot. Now, this raises well, my well, biggest question. She also does one of my favorite things that happens a lot in real life when somebody will call you. And then two minutes in the conversation, be like, I got to go. I, I don't have time to talk right now. And it's like, well, why'd you call? <laughs> like, what are you doing? Oh, she does get off the phone? Yeah, she she goes because she's like, oh, oh she's Chris in the other room. Right, right, right. Yeah, Chris put down the Cheerios. Sam, I got to go. I'll talk to you later. I, I don't have time to talk right now. I'll, I'll call you later. He's like, you called. Why are you calling if you don't have time to talk? Yeah, I mean, I guess – so I guess that she doesn't have to hear the um, kill them because I was wondering like, is Sam going to call his sister back and explain I was not killed? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I am very much alive. But as soon as that happens, uh, Selby gets shot through the window, and yes. uh, our heroes uh, run out into uh, the streets. Yes. Um, and then everyone in Cyber City gets a video game update of a new mission. Yeah, it's pretty good. I actually like that, like where everybody gets like the like the one – it's 1,000 Bitcoins. And I looked it yeah. up. That's $57 million today. That's a lot. That's a pretty good amount of money. That's actually not. I thought like one thousand bitcoins does feel like the kind of thing that like in ten years people are going to go. Are you kidding me? Could this be any more early two thousands? Um, well, what I like about it is that the bitcoin symbol is strange enough that you could be like, that must be Mandapore money, right? And if you don't know what's going on, and that's it. But yeah, it is fifty-seven million dollars. That's a pretty good fucking um, uh, bounty that's on the heads. So they um, they have to run out into the streets and. Um, 
again, the show I think is got this claustrophobia problem. Like, cause they're like in like some street corner that like, you can't see the end of this. Anyway, I'm complaining about this. I like the show, but it just feels very small to me a lot. Yeah. And it turned, they get into like a little bit of a fight and then it turns out, um, there's a guardian angel who shows up, shoots some more people that are after them. And it turns out that it's none other than Sharon Carter, Emily Van Camp. And it turns out that she, um, lives in Madripoor now and she's been here ever since civil war. Yep. I got problems. I don't. Cause I think the episode solves them at the end. You think so? I got hundred percent. And let's just, just talk about this up front. What are your problems? Tell me your problems. My problem is that for seven years, Captain America did not help clear her name. Steve Rogers did nothing to help her. Except what happens in her last scene in this episode? She goes and hangs out with some lady. In a business suit and gets in the back of a generic late model car. Yeah. She's still undercover. Oh. She's still undercover. She's undercover in Madripoor. Uh, I didn't connect that. Yeah, like why that is just like her her assistant? No, I don't think so. I don't think no, so I at all. Care. I think that that is. I think the fact that this woman's there waiting for her and stuff, and she's like, yeah. we got a problem. We got two of them actually. I think that she is still deep cover. She's deep cover in okay. Madripoor. That's what okay. I think. That'll that'll make more sense if that's what happens. Because if not, it's like Steve. It's kind of messed up. You just did not help. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like it really creates the idea of Steve as the ultimate fuckboy where he kisses her and then just leaves her in the wind. And it just seems very, very bad. And he definitely had time to at least do something about it post – Post Endgame, before he went yeah. back in time, there's like, like like in my mind, my one answer because she says at one point, even my father doesn't know where I am. I was like, Steve probably figures that she was wiped out in the blip, but everybody came back, so I, you know. But but it, when everybody came back, we don't know how much time there is in between. And there's like, some time. I mean, there's enough time yeah. for him to probably get Bucky pardoned and shit, right? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Bucky got a pardon, which Sam does bring up. Is like, was he saying this is the, the bi- yeah. bionic staring machine over here got a pardon? And he, machine, and he yeah. killed everybody he ever met. <laughs> Which <laughs> is really yeah, that's a good line. But no, I think that she's still deep cover. Okay. That makes sense. That, that makes, makes sense. a lot of sense, right? And like so like that actually not only makes sense, but I think that improves the character. Yes. Um, because she I mean, she did not have a lot to do in the previous movies. No. And I would argue she had nothing to do in the previous She had movies. nothing to do. She helped Steve out a bit in um Winter Soldier um when she was pretending to be his neighbor. But like yeah. other than that, she just like steals. But, but even that, she she was there to to watch right. him, right? To keep an eye on him was the idea. But we know that she's a and deep then, cover agent from that from that movie. That's like her deal. Yes. So yes. I suspect that she's still Agent Thirteen. Like, I I really do think that's the case. Um, okay. Well, either that, even though there's or that she's the power. There's no bro. more shield, right? I mean, there's no more what? There's no more shield. Do you think that when you're a shield agent who's not Hydra that you can't get a fucking job at the CIA in a heartbeat? I'm just saying she's not Agent 13 anymore. Right? Maybe, that, she'd be some maybe she's probably. some other group. Maybe there's some other – Maybe there is a shield. I still can't figure out if she's around or not. <laughs> I really can't. Or maybe she's the power broker. Maybe. Maybe. That's the other possibility that she's the yeah. power broker. I, I'm Although not, I have a, a different theory on who the power broker is. you think is. it's Zemo? Yeah. It could be. I don't think it makes sense, but I'd like to – I mean it seems like plausible. He's, he's running it all from prison. Yeah, but I, he hates superpower people. But that's why he was trying to get the the serum so that he could stop it. Mm, could be. It would be interesting. So they find out that um, Sharon Carter is supposedly a, a, an illegal art dealer in Madripoor. Yes. And that she yeah. traffics in stolen art. Yeah. 
and um, she gets them off the street where they're, they're going to be killed and gets them changed. She admires Sam's pecs as he changes. Yes. Yep. So she's, she's still, she's still sassy. She's still frisky, Sharon. Sure. And, um, Let's face it, Anthony Mackie, good looking man. He is a good looking man. Um, yeah. So uh, she talks about like how like you know half the paintings that you see in uh, art galleries are fake, and she has the real ones. And yeah, um, they have a big party that night. And uh, well, that, that's one of the things I like is she's like she's like you guys have to keep a low profile. We have to be careful. Let's have a rave, <laughs> which is weird because <laughs> then it just cuts to a rave. They're all dancing. And then she, she literally, she says, I'm going to, let me see what I can find out about the power broker stuff. Montage of a party. Then she walks up and goes, I have the information. Let's go. And it's like, what are you? What? <laughs> like, like, what? like here's Zemo dancing, which is already, and, which is already a meme, which is already a meme, which is great. They must've known when they were doing that. Like this is going to go. Do you know what I thought was a bummer is that they have Zemo dancing and then they didn't pull the camera back to show Sam and Bucky standing on either side of him, like frowning or something like that. I mean, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe my sense of humor is bad, but I feel like you could have had like a moment with all three of them in the frame. That would have been yeah. fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I suspect that this dance party is going to, we're going to come back to it in future episodes when it's going to be like Zemo was doing something. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you like, think so? well, like we have like a shot of him, like looking closely at like a painting and stuff like that. Like we yeah. focus a lot on Zemo in this party, in the montage. And I do wonder if there's not going to be like some kind of, while well, you know, at that party, you didn't realize that I did this. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I cause the party Maybe. does seem like it's super pointless. Yes. Like crazy pointless, like unbelievably yes. so. And it, it expensively pointless because they had to get a lot of extras. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So that that's my suspicion about the party. That's going to come back to pay off in some way. But it means either or there was supposed to be more there. And if you're right about having to shut down because of the pandemic, they they had to cut what was going to happen. Well, I'm definitely right about that. I don't know when they cut shut down, but I'm definitely. Right well, I'm about saying that. like like if it was during this this episode filming of this episode, like who knows? Maybe they they there was supposed to be an action sequence there, and then they had to move it to a uh, shipping yard. Yeah, which has not helped my whole complaint about um, the size of the show. Shipping Yard, the classic <laughs> cheap, shitty location. Like, truly the most classic, <laughs> shitty, cheap action location. It made me think of the, the 60s Batman show where, like, every now and then they'd be like, oh, he's in the – he's what, what was it they, they would use? It was, like, the shipping district. And it was abandoned all just factory. It was the abandoned warehouse district. The warehouse district, yeah, yeah which I love I, because that's what it feels like. Uh, yeah, it's, you know – it, I guess it makes sense. It's, but like, it's a, there is a reason why it's a cliche in action movies, but also at the same time, the show is like playing on action movie. Cliches. It's also from the dark Knight. They do the same thing. They do it in so many fucking movies. And the gentleman in both the dark Knight and the gentleman, the, the, the guy hides inside a shipping container, hides an entire secret elaborate it's, base underground. It's yeah. so common. It's so common. Um, so they go to the shipping yard and they're looking, they, they find the shipping container that has the secret base in it. But as they're like looking in their, um, uh, power brokers, men show up yeah. and, uh, Sharon has a good fight scene with them. She stabs one guy in the butt. She sure does. <laughs> I was very shocked by it. Like, wow. She sure does. So, I want to cut to that guy what? trying to eat cereal the next morning. 
He got oh, stand. That guy. He can't. He can't sit down at his. At his oh, TV. that poor guy. <laughs> Especially like like he's got that guy's got to go back to the power broker and be like everyone else is dead. I got stabbed in the. I got stabbed right in the ass. Right in the ass. Um, and she takes that knife out of that guy's ass and throws him to another guy's forearm. It's actually pretty cool. Yes, it's a really Which, good fight. Gross. Yeah, it's gross. It's 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 not hygienic. That is not. Hygienic it's an excellent fight. Um, it's got like that like um. Winter Soldier slash John Wicky vibe to it, you know, um, yes, in yeah. terms of like hand to hand combat and like multiple opponents. And this is an episode that I think really ups this her character, um, which has been what these shows are excellent for taking these side characters yeah. and really giving them a little bit of spotlight. Yes, I agree. Because she's super fucking capable. Like she's like, she kicks so much ass here. Yeah, she's awesome. She does great work here. And it's like, oh, and, and a lot of it appears to be the actress doing it. It could be. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think there's really good stunt work, and they're really good, uh, sort of faking it in terms of like, yeah, um, having her complete a move. Like, I think there's really good editing in this for the stuff that I do. I have some problems with some of the scope of this show. Um, yeah. They try to do globe trotting, and they're trapped in the same alleyways. But at the same time, I think the action is really excellent on the show. The excellent, yeah. they, they're spending the money on the action, which I guess I shouldn't complain about, right? Yeah. Look at me. I mean, paper. I still think about that that opening sequence in the first episode and be like i mean that is movie level every time that probably cost a lot of money every time the characters stand around an alleyway next to a garage i have to remember that scene and go that's why they're standing in an alleyway next to a garage because they they spent their entire budget on that (laughs) opening scene and probably there's like a final battle that they spent the rest of the budget on (laughs) and the rest of it is just like in like the producer's apartment you know. Inside the shipping container, our, 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 our trio discovers the guy who has cracked the super soldier serum. Yes. And he cracked it for Hydra back when they had super soldiers that were not working out for them, that were psychotic. Yes. And yeah. they brought this guy in, and he cracked it. And then just as he was like cracking it, he got dusted. Yeah. And then um, – when he came back, his whole operation had been shut down, and the power broker showed up and said, "Listen, I'll help you finish this." Which is why I don't think yeah. it's Zemo, because why would the power broker help him finish it? That I'm not sure. I have no answer to that. I mean, Zemo I is a tempting character to be the power broker. Um, I 100 percent agree. And like, if we discovered this entire series has been him pulling the strings, that would be in line with the character. Yeah, but I just don't understand why he would help this guy finish the work. I I just I feel like unless we're gonna run into another Ralph situation where it's it's a real bummer when you find out the truth behind the the, the mystery, um I feel like it's gotta be somebody we've already met and we've met four characters. Well, I don't know why it needs to be a mystery. It's just a character we haven't met yet, right? I mean that's But it's weird that we're a third we're we're halfway through the series and we still we still have not seen hide our hair nor hair of the, the power broker. It seems weird. It, to is, me. it is interesting. We really have, and this episode, that could be on me. This, that could well, just be totally on this me. This episode like, is called Power Broker. It as a mystery. This episode is called Power Broker, but they're not playing it as a mystery. So that's on me being like, oh, I wonder who it could be, you know, because it could just be anybody. Right. It could be, you know, who knows? It could be anybody. So what's interesting is that this guy, he was working off of Isaiah samples. And yes. um, he was able to uh, get the compounds needed, but what he did is he actually made the serum better. It's more yeah. it's more sci-fi now. It doesn't give you big muscles. It just makes you strong. Yeah. You get to you get yeah. to look the same, but you are super strong. 
I, I, I kind of wanted to be like, and then I came up with a way to make sure that we didn't have to hire bodybuilders to play all these characters. <laughs> and listen, it's really difficult for actors to have to get into that kind of shape. So uh, I, yeah. I changed the compounds. <laughs> Marvel didn't want to pay a bunch of like, like eight characters who are nameless to work out for six months to get into <laughs> massive shape. And also, I guess this is also maybe why the Winter Soldier's not like super ripped because he's got the super soldier serum, doesn't he? He has a version of it um, that yeah. the so that um, Hydra had. So he yeah. didn't have the super soldier serum. He had the one that they were working on, um, and that's similar to the one that um, which they were working on. I guess sometime shortly after World War Two. No, they were working on it at the same time because remember, um, Red Skull was super soldier serum. But I'm saying that the one that they gave to Winter Soldier was probably an updated version of Red Skull. They were working on post right. Erskine two, helped, had made Red, this guy. Yeah. Erskine made Red Skull, fled to America, made Captain America. They were working from the Red Skull version of the formula, which yeah. is a not good version of the formula, and um, that's what they turned the Winter Soldier. Yeah, gives you a big red head. Yeah. Um, so. Or in the case of the Winter Soldier, it gives you a very bad wake. <laughs> it does. It does indeed. Um, so they have this whole conversation. He, they want to know what, by the power broker. He tells them that they only, there's only 20 samples that exist, and Carly stole them all. Yes. So there's eight super soldiers, which means there's 12 vials unaccounted for at this point. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so now they're like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, and and Nagel's the guy. This guy Nagel says his his version is perfect. This is like the perfect version. This is the best one. Yeah. And um, Sharon comes in and says, "Oh my God, there's like fucking power broker guys out there. We got to go." Um, and uh, Zemo shoots uh, Nagel right in the fucking chest. Yes, which we see Zemo looking for a gun yes. while everybody's talking, yeah. which I like. Yeah, and so he I like that they set that up. Early. He ends this guy, and they don't have time to argue about it because somebody fucking fires a rocket launcher into the into the the thing. Yes, there's a big explosion. We have another big fight. Uh, this time it's a gun battle, and it's a gun battle where the characters cannot work together because nope. um, Bucky clears a path, but Sam breaks the other Sam direction. Goes the other way. <laughs> Yeah. And then Sam gets angry at Bucky. And he's like, I was out first. That means I'm the leader. And Bucky's like, but I'm the one who knows how to do these things better. And, and Sam's response to that is, this is how it works in every action movie. And I really like that. So they get separated from Zemo in the confusion. And um, they're in this gun battle. And then Zemo shows up on top of the shipping containers. And he puts his mask on for his big mask it, scene. Yeah. He puts his stuntman mask he on. He puts his stuntman mask on for his big mask scene. And uh, he does the thing that I really love, which is that as they're all like shooting guys, he just walks up and points the gun at a pipe and blows up this fucking pipe and just incinerates all the guys. Yes. Which, yes. yeah, it's a great character thing. This is like, as our heroes are like going hand to hand, Zemo gets up above the action, figures out all the angles, and then takes care of the, the situation in one simple, elegant solution. Yes. It's pretty great. Um, and then uh, everybody's running, and Zemo shows up in a new car, which I think he finds. I don't. I don't think it's his car. No, no, he he finds it inside one of the shipping containers. Like, yeah, yeah. He walks up to a shipping container, opens it, and goes, "Oh my!" And then we see him pull up in the car, and it's like it's a muscle car. Like that's pretty wild that he just found that exact car right there. Yeah. What do I know? I don't know. Um. So. They get in the car with him, and they're like, don't you ever fucking do that again. We're very mad at you. And yeah. Sharon's like, oh, I'm not coming with you back to America. I got I got business to take care of. Um, yeah. And then that's where we see 
her meet this agent lady and say we got problem two of them in fact. So I again I really think that Sharon remains an undercover agent. Very possible. That's a good thought. I did not think of that. Because the people that made the show thought about your concerns because when they're flying Sam is like, I just keep thinking about all the shit Sharon had to go through. Like, like he like is aware that it's fucked up. Yeah. He's aware that it's fucked up. So I think that there's no way that they're going to leave the show with the idea that like Captain America fucked up. Although I think that they're setting you up to think that because part of Zemo's speech to them in the plane previously was that we put Captain America on a pedestal. We never considered his flaws. Yes. Yeah. And so this would be a big flaw, right? That he's like, you know, he's short-sighted and doesn't help his friends or whatever. But that doesn't sound right for Captain America. It does not at all. So, um, uh, John Walker uh, and uh, Battlestar, Battlestar are uh, at the Zemo prison. They find out that he has escaped. And the guy at the prison is like, yeah, so like, you know what? The, the Falcon and the Hydra super assassin were here earlier. Yeah, weird. Weird, isn't it? The same day. <laughs> There's like something crazy. I, yeah. Even with a presidential pardon, the idea that a Hydra super assassin uh, is able to just like sign in as a guest at a high security prison is like yeah. next level. That's like kind of a problem for me too. Um, yes, like that's that's worse than him just walking out to an army base. <laughs> <laughs> he just like hates hey, me. I'm pardoned. You got to let me in. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know that guy who blew up the UN and killed a king. Can I talk to him for a minute? Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's me, the Hydra super assassin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, no worries. And so John Walker's like, they broke him out. Like they have, they're in the, they're doing the exact same thing that we're doing. They're going to this guy for the information. So we got to find them. And we go to yeah. Carly, who has barely been in this episode. And um, her flag smashers are stealing a bunch of supplies from some group. Yeah, this is weird now. This is a weird bit to me. Because. Oh, it's a, when she was it with her mom. It's a GRC station is what it is. It's a GRC station, yeah. But what's weird to me is when she was with her mom, they were in uh, Latvia. Right. It said Latvia, which really bummed me. I was like, oh, why didn't you just call it Latveria? That would have been really fun. But it's Latvia. And now they're in Lithuania, so they've moved somewhere else. right? They've switched places. And she, she got the info that, uh, what's his name, the scientist guy is dead. So that they, Are they, they in have Lithuania? Last- I thought they're still in Latvia. I thought they're still in Riga. No, it's, it says it says Lithuania. Oh, okay. Like the little title card thing. Okay. Comes up. Uh, and and she's like, hey, that that dude's dead. The scientist guy's dead. We have the last of the serum. So the power broker is going to want us, like want to talk to us now. No longer want to kill us. He needs us. Like we have all the power now, and that's very fun. That's exciting. It's like, foo. Well, they kill everybody. I just did like the classic I'm a dumb American Google map search, and Latvia is yeah. right next door to Lithuania. Like, it's like, no, I'm, I'm not saying that's far away. It's just, it's just weird that they went someplace else. Like, that's a, like, why, why suddenly send them to a different country? <laughs> like, well, I suspect that we're going to have because it's clearly the same road, right? It's, it's clearly the same street. Right, so it's like the same street in Prague. Yeah. Uh, I suspect the reason why is because our characters are going to spend the next episode catching up with them. Yeah. They don't want to be in the same, they need to catch up still. I suspect that's the reason why. Um, yeah. So they're robbing this GRC facility and um, they have these soldiers tied up and she's like, you had six months of supplies just sitting here. People are starving and you're just sitting on this fucking food. This is terrible. We're taking it. And yeah. they load the stuff up and then her and her buddy, um, who, uh, poor guy, you know what? So he was on Twitter. I saw him on Twitter. This actor. Yes. Did you see this today or yesterday? 
I did his thread. His thread is very sweet thread about um, getting to hold the Captain America shield and while shooting in Prague. And he did a big spoiler in that thread. I don't think I caught the spoiler. He said this is the third of his six episodes. I guess that's a spoiler. I'm like, well, my man ain't going to die until the end. Yeah, but I don't know. I wouldn't say that's a spoiler. I feel like a spoiler to me. He feels like the kind of character who can easily get killed off in episode four. You know what I mean? Like, so. No, because he's the guy. You need somebody there to talk to her. And that's, you know, I get the he's going to end up turning on her. because He has to, right. Because what she does is that she sets up a car bomb right outside this station and blows it up, killing everybody. And you hear everybody screaming. screaming. And they they had them tied up. It isn't just like this. It's not just a terror attack. It's like a fucking murder. And yeah. he is not psyched about it, but she's like, this is the only language these fucking people understand. They have to be spoken yeah. to in their own language. And that and, is- and this handles my problem from the previous two episodes where they're like, oh, the Flag Smashers, they're the bad guys. And it's like, well, they haven't done anything. Like, they took the vaccines, but they're giving it out to refugees. So it's not like they're like, haha, now we're going to sell it for millions of dollars. So they're helping people. And, but now it's like, oh, she just murdered a bunch of people that were tight. Well, so, I would say that she's now a bad guy. I don't think that she would have fit our qualifications of a bad guy previously. I think she fits the I, qualifications of the government to be a bad guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And our characters, unfortunately, are basically being directed by the government, more or less. Um, yeah. So that's the thing. But now she's now become a bad guy in our eyes. She's, she's, she's on the killmonger path, right? Where you're like, well, you're not, you're not wrong, but maybe this ain't the way to do it. Do you know what yes. I mean? That, that's that's going to be her story. Like, you ain't wrong, but maybe you could do this better. Yeah. And um, so she blows up this thing, kills these guys, uh, really has her moment of, like, turning. And it's obviously because of her grief and stuff like that has, like, you know, done this to her, obviously. But perhaps it's the super soldier serum. Perhaps. I mean, we don't know. Um, it brings out the, the, your inner qualities. It has done that to other characters, right? So um, yeah. we then cut to Riga in Latvia. And our heroes have landed there, and they are walking down the street, a very empty street, um, and uh, Zemo's taken them to their safe house. And just to be fair, though, they're walking on the sidewalk this time. This is is called a character arc. Yes. They've learned to walk on the sidewalk. Yes. I was very happy. Um, They get to the safe house, and as soon as they get there, Bucky's like, I'm going to go stretch my legs a little bit. I'm going to take a walk. And I'm going to now he walks down the middle of the street. And they're like, sure, what everybody. Um, He's like, oh, you know what? We didn't we walked on the sidewalk. I have to walk in the street. It's a thing. He it's has a whole thing. he has noticed there's some kind of beacon, a beeping beacon, and he follows, he picks it up and he follows it to another beacon. And then he's like there's like a trail of breadcrumbs that he's basically following. And then he um What are those? They're they're beacons. But for what? Oh, do you know what they are? They're those beads from the first Black Panther. Oh, that's what they are. They're those beads. Okay. And so he recognizes them as Wakandan. And, yeah. um, so, uh, he gets into an alleyway and he's like, says he does like a turnaround and in true Batman style, Iost as ends up behind him. And he's like, I was wondering yes. when you were going to get here. And she's like, I'm here for Zemo. Yes. Which connects earlier in, in Sam's exposition, uh, superpower when he lays out like Zemo killed, killed the, King T'Chaka. You think the Wakandians have forgotten about that? I know they haven't. Right. It's like, oh, okay. That was good reminding us why why Io would show up. Right, exactly. That's that that was that was setting the stage for her to show up here. I was yeah. very surprised though. I was surprised as well. I was very excited. I was very excited. I, I was too. All right, that's our episode. Um what what'd you think? 
like, I think we've gone over a, a, quite a number of the problems in the episode of like taking the plane seems weird. And the Sam pretending to be the guy didn't really work very well. Um, you know, uh, Sharon's fight was fantastic. That was great. Uh, I, I wish there was a little more witty banter. Yeah. There wasn't much witty banter, you know? Um, I do think it's weird that they go to the Asian country of Madripoor and there's no Asians in Madripoor. I thought that was a little weird. Yeah. That seems strange. And I, I wonder if that was a choice or if it was just something they didn't think about. It's probably something they didn't think about. They probably they probably envisioned Madripoor more like Mos Eisley, which is just that it's yeah. a, it's just because it's a pirate. Because the, there's the up city of they, they even talk about it here. There's the up city yeah, of Madripoor, the upper city, and that's like the big neon skyscrapers and stuff. And then there's the yeah. lower city, and they're going to the lower city. And so maybe the concept here is that it's sort of because it's a pirate haven, it's a no greater hive of scum and villainy. That it's yeah. not just Indonesians; that it's people from all over the world. But there's yeah. a real lack of Indonesians, frankly. But I probably I, I, I in Prague, and they probably couldn't fucking find any Indonesians. So, yeah, I, I could see a discussion though, where they're like, you know, guys, we have yet at this point when when they're making this, they know they're doing Shang Chi, but we they we've yet to do any Asian heroes, and maybe setting a scene on an Asian island of evil Asians is not a great plan. So let's skirt around that by just having mostly white and black dudes around and then that'll handle that problem you know but it just if it seemed weird especially like in the comics madripoor is very asian centric so it, was, it seemed yeah. weird to me yeah i mean i don't disagree that you know um i mean i the, that i also suspect like when you watch a show like this and they do madripoor and they know that madripoor has uh a presence in other franchises they may have really just tried to like scratch the surface on purpose and not go too yeah. deep and not show too much yeah. or not really specify how people from Madripoor dress or look the same way that in Civil War they really went out of their way not to show us anything from Wakanda yes. because they yeah. knew that they were making a Black Panther and they wanted to give those folks the opportunity to define what Wakanda looked like. Yeah. So I suspect maybe it's that potentially. Very possible. Very possible. Because the thing is, this could have been any place, right? This is, it, it didn't need to be Madripoor. This was obviously just a fucking Easter egg to say, hey, we have we have the mutants. Yes. That was it. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason for this to be Madripoor in any meaningful way. No. There's, I'm sure there's 10 different fake nations that you could use. Sure. This, you know? there's a billion, yeah, there's a billion of them in the comics. Yeah. But yeah, I would agree. This was um, – it wasn't bad. It, no, it's not a bad episode. I enjoyed watching it. Like I had fun watching it. It's just you know, a little but. bit slack. It just does not feel like it's well put together. The idea that it has like the bar scene and then the then the dance scene, like almost back to back, is weird. Like it just like it, the flow of it's strange. Um, yeah, I, I it, it doesn't quite. It also, I think we're, the other problem is that we're we're in the second act of the story now. And so we have left behind a lot of like the intro and introduction stuff. And now we're like in like the, the mess of the plot. And then once we get through the mess of the plot, then we get into the third act where it's like, you know, uh, you know, rising action and shit like that. Um, I think it'll be a little bit different, but I think that we're right there, right in the middle. And there's like a lot of lifting to be done in this episode. And like a lot of like getting people places or introducing people to things that I think will hopefully pay off. 
Yes, we may we may finish the series and go. Oh wait, actually, episode three is terrific because it really sets this up, sets this up, puts this in motion. It's very possible. It's very possible. But I, you know, I, I I don't know. But like, I just I feel like they didn't take full advantage of Anthony Mackie to do some Big comedic time. stuff at the bar. I think that's a shame because he is a very good comedic actor as well. So it's like that's eh, a bummer. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. You know, but maybe there was, and they cut stuff for time. Maybe it was too long of an episode. You know, they were like, no, we want to keep it to roughly 40 minutes. We don't want to go too far over that. But I don't know. Because there is just weird stuff where it's like, okay, and then, okay, now here. Yeah. Here's this now, you know. So, I don't know. Hopefully, we'll see more of Zemo's butler. (laughs) Maybe he'll die. Yes. Yeah. I also, I I came up with my own personal theory that will not happen, but that... uh, Whenever Zemo puts on the mask, he switches places with somebody else who, like I said before, he fills in the stuntman. Because Zemo is not super active guy. And like, I like the idea that he puts on the mask, goes around the corner, and then he's got a guy he pays who's like same height and build as him, but he's like super athletic. But he could be because like, he was Sokovian intelligence. We don't know anything else about this. He, he was. And he, we, actually he was. Saw him, just, we actually saw him like fucking like hang a guy upside down and drown him. I mean, like, so he definitely yes. has like some, the thing about Zemo that's interesting, I think is that if you just go only from civil war, which is the only other previous appearance, he's actually like shadowily undefined in really intriguing ways. Like, what does it mean that he's Sokovian intelligence? Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like yeah. there's like, like you might think that he's just like a bureaucrat, but it does seem like he might actually be like a fucking, like he might be James Bond. Like he could be James Bond. Well, I, yeah. I, I mean, Sam says in the episode, he's one of the most dangerous men in the world, which is like, right. That's, that's saying a lot. <laughs> like that's really saying quite a bit here. Although so, it's hard to know if he's saying that because he knows Zemo's back file or he's saying that because Zemo broke the Avengers with just his mind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Which in either case, yeah, right, he but, is a very dangerous guy that he right. broke the Avengers. Imagine what he could do at your workplace. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and can really wreak havoc. If he got into your company Slack, forget it. Oh, forget, forget about it. it. Oh my goodness. Oh. Um, now let him run the Facebook page. <laughs> he might be the guy in charge of Amazon's Twitter, actually, causing all yeah. the problems lately. Um, and we, we also be skipped by a bit where uh, uh, Bucky says that if Sam's not going to take the shield back, he's going to take it. He's yeah, like, and Sam is like, maybe I should take it and destroy it. And yes. Bucky's like, fuck you. Yes, which made me wonder, like, can you destroy a vibranium shield? I'm, sure. I'm sure there's some way. I mean, they were able to make the vibranium into shield shape. But I, I was trying to. I, I can't remember if vibranium works in a similar fashion to adamantium. Adamantium, where once once it solidifies, it, you can't destroy it. Like I don't think so. I don't think no. I don't think so. I think um, what makes cap shields special in the comics is it's vibranium and adamantium. Um, yes. Vibranium just um, absorbs all. Um, energy including kinetic energy but the adamantium is what makes it fucking indestructible that obviously is not the case in the movie although now that they have the mutants they can easily retcon that um you know the reason why we never able to make cap shield again is because it turns out that howard stark had access to this metal we never heard of before adamantium you know um so that's possible but um i mean i guess he could just fucking shoot into the sun right I guess. I guess that'd be pretty good. He puts on his fucking space helmet and his wings and flies off to the sun. Yeah. One one of the sad realizations in my comic book reading existence was in the, the original Secret Wars, where Captain America's shield gets destroyed by uh, 
powered up Doctor Doom, yep. who uses who takes in the powers of the Beyonder and just kills everybody, right. and then they all get brought back to life. But Cap's shield is destroyed, and then at the end, the whole story of Secret Wars, if you've never read it, for anyone listening, is the Beyonder brings the greatest heroes and villains together on Battle World. And he's like, you guys fight, and whichever side wins, I'll give you your great, your greatest wish will come true. And at the end of the story, the heroes win, and then we see Captain America standing over his broken shield, and then it's reformed. And it took me years to realize, like, Cap used the greatest wish to fix his shield. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> what a what – a cr- like, he could have done, like, peace throughout the galaxy. Whatever he wanted to wish. He was like, I wish my shield was back. And that's it. That's the end of it. That's the end of the Beyonder's wish terrible rude all right so uh, i'm looking forward to the next episode i'm I, I, I like yeah like i i think we both agree this was sort of a weak not bad but weak episode it's a midsection episode yeah where it was definitely like all right we got to get them here here and here oh, this episode the has the worst um exchange of dialogue i think in the whole mcu oh yeah yeah what's that after the rave and they're at the the docks um Sam says Madripoor can give New York a run for its money. And Zemo says, they know how to party. And I was like, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks so bad. And like, not like even like in the, it's funny that it sucks. I think that, I think that's supposed to be the joke that it's like a bad, yeah. but it just sucks. And action stuff. I, I, I really think there's a lot of like just playing on old action tropes, but they're not doing anything with it. So it doesn't go anywhere. It's like, oh, okay. Or it's just not obvious enough because the problem is that it's an action show. So it is playing. It is like. But it, it, it's like how I mean, WandaVision played with sitcom tropes. Right, but it's not a sitcom. That's the thing, right? So yeah. like you know that you're at a, a meta distance because you know that you're not watching a sitcom. But this, yes. I am watching an action show. So when it does action cliches, it's hard to know <laughs> if it's doing them winkingly or if it's just doing them because it's an action show. Yeah, no, that, that's what I'm saying is they're just not – they're not playing with the tropes enough to let you know if they realize that they're – like – were they just like, yeah, we'll just do this, fine, whatever. This is what you do in action, or are they like, haha, this is, you know, this is what action buddy action comedies are, you know? Like I said, he, I mean, Baron Zemo is uh, Joe, Joe Pesci. Pesci. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, 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 I like to give the f- filmmakers always the benefit of the doubt that I'm not smarter than them, that they know what they're yeah. doing. But I'm just like that, that particular exchange. I just, it was so bad. That's pretty impressive. It was so I bad. I remember that. It was like, I wasn't like it, it blew my mind how bad it was. Like it really like, it's like the, like if you let, if you had the actors doing improv, that's the worst improv they could have done. Yeah. And um, it's maybe the joke is that Zemo's not funny. I mean, I don't know. I couldn't like, I needed, I needed somebody to like, make a comment about it to let me know what the filmmakers thought yeah. of that line. Yeah. I, I mean, there are a few like that. And like, if it were me, I would not have shown how Zemo broke out. I would have just had uh, uh, Bucky be like, let me give you a hypothetical. And then Zemo walks in and be like, let me give you a factual. And that, there you go. He broke out. That's all we need to know. He broke out. We don't need to know how he did it. I think it works better if you don't know how he did it because it makes him more mysterious and like, I'm so smart. You, you don't even realize how I broke out. You'll never forget, figure out what I did kind of deal right. instead of like, oh, I already had a key card. All I need you to do is hand this note to a random guy and say, 
that guy's going to kill you. Like, it's more fun that way, I think, when you don't know how the villain pulled off his escape. Right. You know, but that, I don't know. You know, that's me. And the plane, I really, the, the plane's, plane's really a problem. Yeah, I would like somebody to have a line of dialogue to say that this is a plane that when he was in Latvian intelligence that he put under her name. And that's an easy line. Yeah. That's an easy line of dialogue. That can be retcon yeah. too. That could be like, there might end up being like some retcon. If, because I'm sure that Marvel is listening to this podcast and making decisions based on future storylines based yeah, on, get on it, Spikey. Hey, listen, listen, Kevo, Kevo, good old Kev buddy. Um, anyway, that's it. That's it for the episode, right? We, we did, we did it. We did the whole thing. We did. All right. Um, so like I said, at the beginning of the episode, we have another podcast called the bad batch. That's about star Wars TV shows. We're in season three of rebels and we're going to be doing the new star Wars TV show, the bad batch in just a couple of weeks. We're excited about that. About two months. Less. May 4th. Oh, it's right. It's May 4th. That's right. Yeah. May the 4th. So exactly a month. Exactly. Today's today's Easter. We are are recording this on Easter right now. Um, I just finished watching The Greatest Story Ever Told right before we started. Do you mean this episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier? No, I mean the the four-hour movie. Boy, you really had nothing to do today, huh? I had to watch the greatest story ever told. Four hours. I also read some comics uh, and made dinner. <laughs> and it's it, Easter. What am I supposed to do? It's Easter. Yeah, I worked today. It's a pandemic. I worked today. All right, um, that's you. I know that's me. Um, I did my taxes too. Well, good for you. They they moved so. them back a whole month. You know. I know, but I, well, I want my my money. Um, so anyway. We have this show called The Bad Batch. It's available to Patreon subscribers. The Patreon is patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. And people who uh, subscribe at $1 and above can get that. But if you want to hear us talking about more superhero stuff, at $5 and above, we have an untitled superhero movie podcast. We will have a title for the next episode, I swear to God. I, I, I think the current running one is Watchmen. Watchmen right? does seem like we're probably yeah. leaning towards Which that. That's, that's from my buddy Todd. He came up with that. It, it does also sound like it's a sort of like a gay cruising podcast, which I think... It does. It does. But I think we can get a whole different audience with that. I think if we kind of go... Um, although, I think, you know what? I think that um, we appeal uh, to all demographics. Yeah, whatever. Um, so, you know, we're the, you know, this is the number one after show in Indonesia... Yeah, it's weird. And Madripoor is in Indonesia. So if you're one of our Indonesian listeners and you're upset about the lack of Indonesian representation in Madripoor, let us know. We want to hear about it. Um, yeah. Anyway, at the $5 and above level, we're going to have this new show. You can join right now and vote tonight. This episode that you're listening to will drop while the poll is still open, and you'll be able to decide if we watch Hulk 2003, Batman Returns, or The Shadow. Um, yes. And uh, there's already one episode of this show up. It's got Zack Snyder's Justice League AK, the Snyder Cut. It's two-hour discussion about it. And in the meantime, Derek, where can they find you <laughs> on the uh, internet? Um, they can find me on uh, Twitter, at WH underscore Woolhat. And you can find me on Twitter at DevonCF. And, and what? Just so you guys know, for that poll, right now Hulk is at 35%. Batman Returns, 39%. The Shadow, 26%. Wow, Shadow went up. I'm, I'm rooting for Hulk because I don't know why you chose chose Hulk 2003, but uh, it's not streaming anywhere, so I bought it. 
for safety. <laughs> so, it's not streaming. So I, I thought it was streaming. It. I, I, I thought I double checked no. to see if it was streaming. I, I specifically, it's funny because I, you said, what should we do? And I sent you three movies and the only one you changed was Hulk where I said incredible Hulk. Cause I was like, I already own incredible Hulk. That's easy. <laughs> That's easy enough. And then you switched it to Hulk 2003. And I was like, Oh, where is that streaming somewhere? And I looked, it was not, Oh, I thought it was, I thought so, I looked and saw that it was, I, I think, on Netflix like last month and now it's gone. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Because I didn't want to do um, an MCU or DCEU movie. Yeah. I wanted yeah. to save that for some other time. I wanted this episode to be outside of these franchises. Yeah. Especially since we just did Snyder. Right. So. And yeah. we're going to do a bunch of MCU eventually anyway. So I just want, I kind of yes. wanted to like have something that was outside of that um, for the first, yeah. for the first real episode. Cause this is the second episode. Anyway, it's at Patreon. Well, now I own Hulk in 4K. It's at Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. And uh, we really appreciate your patronage if you're a patron listening to this. And uh, until next week, when we come back for Falcon Winter Soldier Episode 4, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, and most of all, may you remain a true believer. <laughs> <laughs>